Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a Hi, this is Jackie Cation, and you are about to listen to The Dork Forest since 2006. And it is on iTunes, of course, where you may have received it. You may have gotten it at dorkforest.com. Feel free to review it on iTunes. It, we are part of the All Things Comedy Network, allthingscomedy.com, where my new hour special, This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux, is available for $5 download. Knock yourselves out. My website, JackieCation.com, has a player if you want to just listen to it uh, and you don't want to do iTunes. And JackieCation.com has everything. It has my stand-up schedule. It has a merch page where you can get Dork Forest t-shirts and even order a Dork Forest hoodie if you like. All of the shirts are made in America because while I'm willing to wear clothing that are made by toddlers, I'm unwilling to sell clothing made by toddlers. The hoodie, special ordered for some reason, still made in the Philippines. I don't know why. Possibly because they're super cozy, and I don't sell that many of them, but I should work on that. Anyway, there's a chance to donate to the Dork Forest. If you enjoy the Dork Forest, feel free to donate. A hundred bucks a year makes you a super fan, and you could do that in one chunk of a hundred bucks, or you could break it up however you want, because I have not made that easy for you. It would be $8.33 a month if you want to do it. You could also just order stuff if you want Dork Forest t-shirts or CDs or DVDs. I have three CDs out and one DVD, and you can order all of them. Uh, you could order a T-shirt, you could order a hoodie, and that will also support the show, and I totally appreciate that. Yeah, just so you know, the DVD of The Horcrux is Friday Second Show. That is the video. And the CD is Saturday Second Show. I don't know. I didn't videotape that one, but I like that set better, so that is the CD. The DVD is approximately uh, 56 minutes long, and the CD... About 40, 48. So they're different sets, but they're the same material. And it's uh, it's weird, but I like it. The credits. Let's credit the people that make this show possible, quite honestly. We have Mike Rickberg, who sang the intro song and composed the intro song and sings it with his girlfriend, Sarah Cohen. And he will sing Mexican Hat Dance at the end of this. The audio. The audio is fixed every week, and the teasers are created by... Mr. Patrick Brady, Mr. Patrick Brady, friend of the show. Vilmos does my website, JackieCation.com. So if you're looking for someone to do your website, go to JackieCation.com, scroll down, and click on that link. All right, let's do this. Enjoy. At RBC Wealth Management, social responsibility starts at the top. As a part of the Royal Bank of Canada, RBC has been recognized among the world's financial, social, and environmental corporate leaders. Our sense of responsibility extends to our reputation for putting clients' interests first. My personal commitment is to help you achieve your financial goals by also considering sustainable and responsible investing strategies. To learn more, visit www.darlacashian.com. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE FINRA SIPC. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I am in my living room. Uh, with Brittany Braun. Welcome to the program, Brittany. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. We met at a brunch that Augie Smith organized. Yep. Yep. Good Brunches times. are very popular in California, it turns out. Who doesn't love a brunch? It's, it means that you can have breakfast if you love breakfast, and you can have lunch if you, if you don't enjoy breakfast. Mm. And you don't have to get out of bed until 12. Right. Because we always arrange it at 1.30, which is... He does do a late brunch. Yeah. It's more of a... I mean, his wife between... is pregnant, so, you know, she needs to sleep in and... Yeah. I, he's a comedian, so he needs to sleep in too. Let's, let's yeah. all face it. That's really what it's about. Mm-hmm. He was at the club until 2 a.m. the night yeah, before. I don't remember. I don't remember him getting up early before Julie was pregnant. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But, uh, Brittany Braun, so we met and you said, I am a cosplayer and Indeed. I like to dress up, uh, and play army myself, but I haven't <laughs> done it in a while. So I thought, let's do it. First of all, it's spelled B-R-I-T-T-N-E-E. And then Braun, B-R-A-U-N. Mm-hmm. And that's what your Twitter is. That's what your Instagram is. Mm-hmm. And you make costumes too. I mean, you make, you make cosplay kind of stuff. Super fun, like comic book related, uh, clothing. Yes. Yeah. So yes. we'll talk about that too. Perfect. Let's talk about, uh, your love of dressing up. Uh, oh yeah. What the <laughs> heck? So what do you do? Do you, do you do it regular or do you just do it at cons? Conventions. Um, conventions is the primary 
place uh, just because it's so accepted. Yeah. Turns out if you wear a poison ivy costume on the streets of California, people <laughs> might look at you weird. Unless you're on Hollywood Boulevard, I guess. I suppose I could dollar. go hang by the stars. <laughs> um, I have uh, kind of widened it into free comic book day. I did um, the event at Meltdown Comics in Hollywood, okay. which was great. Um, you could wear it every Wednesday when you went to get your pull list. That's true. That's that true. They would be very excited about that. They would be all right with that. I've tried to do it as much at events as I can. So if there is like an artist um gallery or show. Okay. Um and then Halloween, of course, yeah. it's you know a little bit more accepted, although uh you don't see as many superheroes on Halloween anymore, it doesn't seem like. You see a lot of like TV shows and stuff like that. Oh really? Although cosplay is widened to that. It's not yeah. just comic book characters, what, but where did the I mean the thing is 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 Cosplay is a word that is yes. a real term that I've only heard in the last four years. Yes. Granted, I didn't know about a lot of things four years ago, so I'm constantly learning. <laughs> and, uh, but so why? So it's costume play. Yes. And it's just like anything as words become more frequently used than yeah. Webster decides that they get to go in the dictionary. And so now there's cosplay. So now everyone knows what it is. Exactly. But what was it? What did it? I mean, have you been doing it forever? Like, did you do it? Because when we're kids, we all just dress up for Halloween. Exactly. And we dress up to play. Well, being a girl, as yep. most girls do, as most girls do, not all girls, but right. as most girls do, I always did the dress up thing. My mom was a hairdresser, so okay. we were constantly in hair shows and wanting to do makeup. And I understand the value too. of can of hairspray. And <sighs> she would could not get my sister and I interested in our hair for the love of God. For my love sister was like that. Yeah. I was the girly sister. My sister was a tomboy. Although we have a picture of us where my mom decided that we were going to have perms. Sure. So we both have <laughs> like pin curl perms in this photo. How old are you? I am probably, I'm going to say eight, which would make my sister five. Okay. And my poor sister had very short hair at the time, so it just looks like she has a giant fro. Right. And my hair is naturally curly, but very limp, so I have very, like, limpy curly is it, hair. Is it thin? Is it's it... a horrifying picture. But, <laughs> but my sister <laughs> and I love it now. Oh, okay. Because right. it's it funny. Do... It's a memory. Yes, exactly. But, um... So I was always into that. And then basically from the moment that I could walk, my parents put me into dance classes. Okay. So I danced competitively mm -hmm. until I was about 18, which unfortunately a back injury pulled me out of that. But that's tutus and, and, and ballet slippers and, and until and I was a little older than it's too, musical right? theater and hip hop when that became popular and, um, jazz and tap. And I did everything. I, I mean, it was my life. I, 15 hours a week. So it's every it's week fashion. in competition. It's, it's what gets yeah. you into it is just clothes and fashion and, and mm -hmm. more than just, I want to play army. It's, I want to dress in cool clothes. Yeah. You, I think most cosplayers, um, get into it because they love the dorky and the nerdy world, but they also have a love of other artistic avenues. Okay. Um, yeah. The dance led me into theater. When I hurt my back, I wasn't able to dance anymore. So I said, okay, well, I'll do stage, right. which is a little less physically daunting. Right. And um, my very first costume, I actually made for a dance routine that I was in. And then, um, and what that went that? to national competitions. Um, it was Hey Big Spender. Yeah. From, so uh, from Fosse. It okay. was a very sexy dance to be doing when I was 16, but it was fun. You were 16. You made your own clothes. I made my own, I made my own clothes. I had been making, um, skirts and like things to wear every day. But because I loved to dance, I didn't really feel like there was a reason to just make a t-shirt and jeans that I could buy at a store. I always made right. things with a, a costume element to them. Okay. There was always some sort of inspiration. Like, um, one skirt that I made, I had just discovered how to, uh, put holes in things. So like, what? If you see, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Sometimes you'll see maybe a dress and it has like a hole cut out of the stomach or out of the arm oh, right, or something right. like that, a shape cut out. Oh, right. I finally figured out how to do that. So I made a skirt and it was inspired by those beanbag tosses that you see at like circuses and things yeah. like that. And so I cut, I, I yeah. cut holes out of the skirt and then like rimmed it in costumey circusy colors. Right. And nobody else would know that, but that was my inspiration. Okay. So it was always kind of stuff like that. I made a an evening gown one time that was inspired by a ballerina's point shoe and how it ties up the leg. Okay. And so there were straps that crisscrossed and there was always stuff like that. And then I that led me into I dated a guy who um did Lewis and Clark reenactments. Okay. Because I'm from St. Louis. Okay. And they took off from the illustrious Sure St. Charles, there, Missouri Riverfront. It was, you got that arch. Exactly. So sure. I did um 
I did reenactments. I played a sergeant's wife, which was super fun because the sergeant is always really rich. Okay. And I was young. So, <laughs> really? yeah. So I got to basically be the period of time where Lewis and Clark is, is the end of, um, the 1700s into the early 1800s. And in the early 1800s, when the empire waste came in, okay. but only the young women accepted that the older generations were still wearing the corsets okay. and things like that. So I actually was the part of the group that inspired that I want to do the young thing. Right. So all the moms who were part of the reenactments were still wearing corsets, but because I was the sergeant's wife, I could afford the high fashion, which was. So, and this is all in, in character. All in character. In character because the sergeant, why was the sergeant rich in character? Well, because he was part of a fife and drum corps, which for those who don't know the fife and drum corps at before we had walkie talkies and things like that, they signaled the, troops into battle. Okay. And so, um, Oh, I did know that. So, you know, he would play, he was the sergeant. So he had this big, huge staff that the Indians always tried to steal. And we had all kinds of things that we played, but, um, it was very, those, they were very important. Okay. So they and were the well sergeant paid. Could not be killed. He was well paid. He was in charge. He was the head honcho. Okay. So sure. I just so happened to be dating the sergeant. <laughs> so I got to do all that fun stuff. We had a little girl in our troop who, played our daughter and the Indians would kidnap her and then right. we'd have to go rescue her and all kinds of, I mean, it's really fun, but you're when you're in the fort, an Indian. Yeah. And how old you were in high school? I was in high school. So 17 into 18. How did you um, find out about this stuff? It, it threw this, him completely. Like, right. You just met him. Well, did he go to He went to high you? school with me and he was part of I'm glad he the, wasn't 24 yeah, when exactly. he was 16. That's always <laughs> just creepy, dude. <laughs> um, he, had joined the group because he was a musician and he wanted to, um, he really liked history and yeah. he wanted to learn something different. Yeah. The group was organized through the community, but what, to be honest was actually a big group for like Mormons because, um, their kids are mostly homeschooled. Right. So their extracurricular activities have to be done through the city. They I don't get have, it. Oh, know, right, right. So, so they have to, to join through. things. Exactly. Yeah. So he, I went to one of his events when we first started dating and I just thought it was fascinating. Plus it was another avenue for me to make costumes. Right. So you so I made all my own stuff. And, and did you, ha- did you have like a sewing machine at this time as I, a kid? I did. I didn't have one when I was little. My grandma taught me to sew on a super, super old, like vintage singer. Wait, that, with the pedal? With the pedal. And My you had to thread had one of those. everything yourself. It was yeah. still cool though. Cause it was one of the ones like industry ones. Um, you know, they lay flush with a table Yeah, and there's oil buckets underneath because the old industrial machines, they have to keep oiling the machine so it doesn't get stuck. Now we have technology and plastic and right. all kinds of fancy things. So I learned to sew on that. And then, um, the very first thing that I wanted to make that was like very high tech was yeah. my freshman year of high school. A friend of mine jokingly said, why don't we make our homecoming dresses ourselves? Because we couldn't find right. anything at the store that we liked. And I said, oh, you're so funny. Yeah. And then the next week, her mom took us to the fabric store and taught us how to make evening gowns. But once you make one evening gown, you can't about... ever wear a store-bought evening gown again. Because it fits perfectly. Exactly. And... So I made everything from there. And then my parents said, oh, you actually really like this. So they bought me a sewing machine. Okay. Because I was in home ec in eighth grade because I wasn't allowed to take shop. I had to take home ec. Because you were a girl? Yeah. Because well, I was a girl. Stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> and uh, it was very irritating. Even though my brothers then revealed to me that all they got to make was um, shelving. House? Yeah. They made a corner shelf. It was. Oh, yeah. that's fancy. And, it was, it was, that was, that was their big reveal, the corner shelf. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, Oh, I don't want to make that. And my brother's going, yeah, right. And I said, but I also don't want to make a pillow. So, uh, we had to make like a stuffed pillow and then we made a blouse that was so ill-fitting. Uh, I poorly, it's a learned skill sewing. Yeah. So it's, it's, so th- your friend's mom helped you. Did she help you make these dresses or did you, or did she like, did she, oversee it at all because all the measuring and all the making sure because the the sewing is fine i think it's the measuring and the making sure everything fits well is the hard part you're totally right sewing is like connect the dots you have a seam yeah that you need the thread to go from here to there yeah. you follow a line i mean the sewing machines actually have lines so you just follow yeah, it the should, line it, it's relatively it's not easy yeah. but i mean as long as you it, have steady hands you right. can it's, feed it, fabric through a sewing machine it's an easier it's an easier learned skill than the rest of it exactly yeah the complication when you start sewing initially is knowing that different fabrics work different ways that oh, right. you have to, like zippers to this day are still my nightmare um they're very complicated <laughs> to put in you have to make sure they're very lined up 
um, super straight. Like you, 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 if the teeth don't line up, the zipper won't. Oh, damn. <laughs> Not to mention, most of the time you don't want the zipper to be super obvious, so it's got to be sort of hidden, oh, right. and you know that it requires things. But um, the pattern is and knowing where to measure your body to pick the right size pattern is for a beginner where you learn something. Okay. Um, because you can go to Joann's or any fabric store and buy patterns, which have directions on how to put everything together. And again, right. that's just following just directions and putting, right, following you know, a connect. map. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it was knowing where to measure and all those kinds of things. So we actually sewed them ourselves, but she would, <laughs> she, my friend loves when I tell this story because her mom, every Sunday we would get together and her mom would say, okay, girls, I'll be right back. And she would walk down to the corner liquor store and she would get two tall boys. And then she would come <laughs> back and she would sit in this chair in the corner of her living room. And we would sew on the floor or in the dining room table, like cut out big batteries. And she would whatever. hang out and drink. And she would just hang out and drink and help when you needed it and help when we needed it. And and I don't, I, I don't I mean, actually mind that parenting. No, nope. she was awesome. There was, there's worse parenting going on. <laughs> yeah, I consider her my second mom. And when I got into fashion school, like I thanked her for getting me there. And, yeah. And she really did. She, I mean, even though she was sitting there drinking two tall boys, she spent the time to make sure that like we, you know, were doing what we loved. And anytime yeah. after that, because my friend never got into it, but I stuck with it. Anytime I had questions, she always, you know, helped so me. So where and, do you measure? What, 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 what are, what are some key things when you're, like if you were to make clothing for this, <laughs> this business, uh, in front of you, this is what I look like. But where, where would you measure? What would it, what, how would you do it? Well, the key to remember is no matter how you want something to fit, whether you want it to fit loose or you want it to fit skin tight. Yeah. Is you still start with base measurements. So you hips and chest, hips, chest, and... waist, um, shoulder span, okay. um, tailbone, like, you know, neck to waist, waist to however long you want Ooh, something. Like how long a torso is exactly. and then how long your legs are. Yeah. Kind of Cause thing? you could have someone who weighs the same amount yeah. or is the same like waist measurement, but they could be six feet tall and then the other person's five feet tall. Oh, right. So it all starts with the same base. Right. Um, and then you adjust the pattern for the fashion, but you always make a standard pattern for that person's size. So the standard pattern is they consider a bodice and a skirt. Okay. And whatever that person is, that those things would fit, not skin tight, but like flush with the body. So if I and went to a, a seamstress there. or a tailor, they would, they would have a basic, like this would be what we would do for a top. And this would be what we would do for a bottom. And then they adjust exactly. from those two things. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> All right then. So that's, so, and that's how you kind of learned how to do it. And she, cause I, I knew don't, I know guys who, you know, they're like, well, I learned how to hang a door because, uh, my buddy's friend, his dad would sit there and drink beer and yell at us. And so th- yeah. that's exactly what it sounds like, but yeah. sewing. Yeah. Basically yeah. it's like how my car died. So I learned how to jump my car because I had to do it. Right. I couldn't find the dress, the perfect dress store to freshman homecoming. So I just made it. That's that what was, was it? What was it? What what kind of fabric was it? It was a very traditional, very princessy, um, <laughs> baby pink with silver overlay princess gown, which is you, um, you made a princess fitted, gown yeah, for yourself. Fitted on the top, yeah, full on the bottom with the lacy up the front. Sure, and, super you know, pretty. My boyfriend got me the matching flowers, and there you know, you we go. did the limo. It's very sure. fancy. Well, and to this day, I've never had a guy to. <laughs> A limo and flowers for me. So, so turns out in high school, it was forced. nice that it happened. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So okay. So then you went. So now, but now you make things that are that are that are costume. All right. I, I don't mean to stop the flow no, of information okay. because we we're, we're right in high school now. Yeah. And then you went to fashion school, mm-hmm. which teaches you what, like how to work with different fabrics and how to like what to look for or what is it. Um, it teaches you a lot. So pattern making, illustration, um, sewing, you take all of those classes and work in studio. You also learn, um, what different fabrics are made of, what you use different fabrics for. Like what are for different instance, fabrics made of? I mean like cotton and wool and. Well, it starts so it's, it's just like science. It's like at, think of it as atoms, you know, atoms oh, make science. up this and it makes up, you know, bigger things. So everything starts with a fiber, which is either cotton or silk. Or, you know, wool or right. merino, those different things. And it just looks like little pieces of fluff. Okay. And then it gets, you know, pushed together or woven together or whatever into a thread. And then the thread gets woven or knitted into a fabric. Did you learn how to make thread? I did learn how to make thread. How do you I also make learned th- how to make fabric. 
I'm there's not enough time. <laughs> yeah. uh, how do you make thread? Um, ba- essentially, Basically. it's just pushing, pushing it all of the fabric uh, or all the fibers into the long thread. Depending on if it's um, natural or man-made, polyester is melted. Okay. Um, into thread, and then cotton is essentially tightly. Spun. 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 Okay. Yeah. Just okay. like you see in, you know, Rapunzel or fairy tales. And right, right. Like just as you see in books and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, neat. And then, and then you take the fabric. So you've made thread. Well, now you made thread. So you either weave it, which is where there's just cross threads and, right. you know, they cross just like a tic-tac-toe board, but it's yeah. very tight. Like a basket. Or a knitted where it's actually, just like you see with crocheting or knitting, where it's looped. Okay. And so then when you pull, when it's looped, you pull it and it'll stretch because it's pulling at something else. Yeah. If you, that's why if you pull a thread on a, um, a woven thing, it'll just fall apart because okay. it's not held in, it's just, you know, all stacked together. Oh, it's all stacked. Okay. So you make thread and then you make fabric mm-hmm. and then, so what they do is they go through the science of how to make clothes. Exactly. Like when the big one hits, when we're all being <laughs> exactly. chased by zombies, you will be able to make clothing. There you, go. <laughs> you will not be wearing a potato sack. Exactly. I will be wearing a potato sack. Then I will cut holes. In it. <laughs> and uh, so, but then, um, so then, and then you learn how to make patterns and you learn how to make, and, and then it's art classes essentially, right? Like illustrations and. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, there's a lot of business elements to it too. You learn to illustrate in ways that show off particular items on whatever your garment is. So if something has a detail, you learn that you have to pose the body this way to show that off. Um, you also learn that like a figure that you draw on is, they call it the nine head. Whereas a human body is eight heads. Okay. So if you did your head eight times, that's how tall you are. Okay. Um, in fashion, and that's why they use such tall models on the runway. It's a nine head figure, so their legs are one head longer. Okay. But that's again to show off the clothing. Okay. So it's it's all about how to showcase whatever you're trying to go for. Mm-hmm. And then they do the same thing. There's business classes we learn about and the history, salesmanship, art history. Um, you know how to put together a sales packet, how to put together a pattern packet, things that you need in the factory. Sure. It's all elements of it, but it is, it's essentially art school. It's just focused on fashion. Oh, that's awesome. And then, and and then making clothes. Mm -hmm. So then you graduate and through all of this, you just want to dress well. You just want (laughs) to wear fun clothes and, and be out and about. You definitely have to have a passion for that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One would imagine. And uh, so what, um, so what brings you to, I mean, as has the, I mean, Lewis and Clark, Lewis and Clark LARPing, uh, will, yeah, that'll lead you into some, that, that, that that'll take you down a rabbit hole of some dorkdoms <laughs> already, right? And so then you have to, you already, you're carrying a canteen. Yes. Things are happening. So, uh, when, now, so does that guy, you get to meet other, you meet friends and then all of a sudden you're reading comic books and hanging out and doing live action role playing games and, and reenactments and all these things? Well, I actually hung out at the fantasy shop, um, every Friday before I met that guy. Um, my, what's a fantasy shop? Like a, like a comic book store. Okay. We always called it the fantasy shop. I don't, I'm from the Midwest. I don't know if that's a term that's not common because I call it that and then people are like, are you talking about porn? And like, yeah, no, I'm extent, very much it, talking about the fantasy world. <laughs> right. I'm talking about science fiction and fantasy. Exactly. Okay. Um, but my, my brother was always really into Star Wars and Star Trek. A little older than you or younger? Six years older than me. Okay. So I always looked up hit to him like the big brother and thought right. his stuff was cool. And then, um, I guess it was really when I got, when I started high school that I started hanging out with more people that were into that also. Like I was never really the popular kid in school. So we would go hang out at the fancy shop. I played magic and Dungeons and Dragons and Vampire Masquerade and, um. That's so cool. I never really read comic books per se, but I was always very fascinated by that world. Okay. You know, Batman and, and Superman and any of the movies and just the whole genre. And also because and the overlying theme leading into Comic-Con is that no one is not accepted in that world. Right. You could walk into a fantasy shop, and I was very girly. I was very into fashion, so I'd walk in there in my skirts and heels. Yeah. And then here's guys wearing, you know, the same jeans that they've worn every day that week and right. a different comic book They're t-shirt. They're wearing their 1992 and HeroCon t-shirt. And, exactly. And everybody's fine. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I was always in that. And then when I went to um fashion school, I focused on ready-to-wear stuff, but I always, again, had that costuming element to it because of that and because of theater. And then um, I went to Comic-Con for the first time four years ago, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> People 
dress up in costumes and sometimes they get paid to do it. This is amazing. So of course the very next convention I went to, I was like, I can't come back without being in a costume. In a costume. So is that what happened? So that's how it started. You just ended up hanging out, going with friends to Comic Con. Mm -hmm. And then the next time you were like, well, I am going to dress. And you sent me some pictures of some amazing costumes. Thank you. And so, but which ones tell, tell the peoples, uh, (laughs) tell the rangers of the dork forest, uh, (laughs) what, what you like to dress as. I focus mainly on um, the Batman world just because it's what I most closely relate to. My first costume was a steampunk steampunk version of Catwoman, which later sort of evolved into what everyone seems to call steampunk baby doll from Sucker Punch. Okay. It was an inspiration as far as the the makeup of the costume, but it yeah. wasn't my original goal. Right. Um, but whatever, if the masses think that's what it whatever is, Whatever happens, great. that's fine. Um, and then I do um, a Victorian-inspired Poison Ivy. I okay. do um, a pinup so, 50s Batgirl. So crossover-y kind of stuff mm-hmm. where you, you're like, this is great, but I'm going to make it more fun and interesting for me. Exactly. It, the decision has to be made what you're going for and – I knew that if I tried to do exact replicas, I didn't have the skills or the resources to do that. And I'm a perfectionist. So if I had tried to make something and it wasn't exact, I'd make it over and over and over again. And you'd be driven mad. Exactly. Okay. So instead I decided I'm going to do my own inspiration. And because I like history and because I have the um, the background in that, I decided to you know basically take exactly. Things can happen. a time period with a character. And so that's kind of what it's always become. Um, although my newest costume that I'm working on now is a female version of the Joker. Okay. And everyone asks if it's the Joker's daughter and that's not what I'm going for. I'm taking the male Joker and making right. him a female. And that one is going to be my first, um, sort of cartoony character in okay. the sense of, I like that he is insane and <laughs> I, I like that he is so colorful right. and I want to keep those elements, but I want to make it for a woman. Okay. Okay. So, so you want to. Still creep people out. Mm-hmm. And, um, the cool, one of the coolest things, uh, I did a, a, a convention, uh, my first ever where I did a live dork forest and a stand up show at a convention was in Minneapolis at a place called Convergence. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially, it seems to be a party hookup con. <laughs> there are some seriously drunk people going on. <laughs> That's what a lot of those conventions are. It's just behind the scenes. And it's, but <laughs> this thing is out there and it is, and it's nice and it's not too big, which sometimes I get overwhelmed. Like Comic Con, it's just too big. I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. But this, the convergence is what it's called and it's, mm-hmm. uh, f- like five, six thousand people. And I think probably science went to that. Yeah. A couple years ago. That's how I've heard of it. It's, um, what's science? No, uh, probably science. Oh, probably. Andy Wood and, uh, Matt Kirshen. Oh, those guys. And Jesse Case's, uh, oh, their podcast. podcast. Yeah. They went and, and did a live one there. Oh, not, nice. And, um, but it was, I was, they asked me to judge the costume party, the gala thing. And I said, I will look at all of it and go, that is amazing. I don't know what I'm looking at. And they said, oh, we have people. We have people who know how costumes are made that they will judge how how the costumes are made because there's a lot of glue gun action happening mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, you know, and, and it looks amazing. But one of the greatest things I saw was they did a reimagining of all of the doctors for from Doctor Who as women. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And so, and there was also uh, someone dressed as the TARDIS. So, uh, as a woman? Yeah. It was a woman TARDIS. Still as a robot or? Still, still as a, still as a phone box, but the lady phone okay. box, uh, TARDIS. Okay. And, uh, but they were, you know, a lot of them, some of them were, were Victorian themed and some of them were, because they all have the different, different things, you know, yeah. jo- Joseph and the amazing Technicolor jacket dude and, and, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And it was, but all of that work is so, because I feel like you don't get to wear it often enough to make it like who doesn't want to there's Tina Fey in her book talks about how when she was in fifth grade, she had a colonial girl costume and when she would get home from school, she would just lounge around in it. That's what she would do. She was like, sometimes I like to just put on my colonial girl costume and hang around the house, read a book, watch some television. Awesome. Yeah. So do you get to, do you get to wear it enough to I- make it? I do wish that I could go to more conventions and more um, events where I could wear it. It's unfortunate right now because it's a cost. I mean, it's very expensive to go to conventions. Okay. 
usually I can get my passes um, through professional status. So that's not such a big deal, but to buy plane tickets and hotels and things like that. It yeah. is something that I, I mean, Comic-Con is my Mecca. I set aside money all year long. So I do, you know, spend the money to get a hotel and go to San Diego for the week and, oh, do, and do all those things. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I, I never miss that. And I get to go to WonderCon, which is local and Kamikaze, which is local. So that's great. Um, I did Phoenix Comic-Con for the first time this year, which is great. I was able to drive and that's a really cool convention because it's kind of in the middle between WonderCon and Comic-Con as far as size. So it's big enough that there's enough attractions, yeah. but it's small enough that you don't feel like you're going to pass out every five minutes because there's so many people around. Right. We went to, I just, last week we were in Indianapolis for Gen Con. I had some friends that went to that too. And I've heard it's really, really cool. I haven't been. It's one of the most social of, of all the conventions. I've said it before okay. because it's a board game tabletop gaming convention. Right. And with your D&D and magic background, you might enjoy it. But what you can do is there's, you meet people. Yeah, it's very it's, it's a very networking one, which is what I've heard. Yeah, but you know, like when you go to Comic Con or Wonder or any of the regular conventions, you essentially stand in line and then you watch something. You watch a panel, you go see something. Oh, I never stand in line. Right. I, well, I, yeah, I, I I literally skip all the panels, which people say, "Why do you go to Comic Con for it?" And I'm like, in this day and age, I can see anything that's going to be at a panel on the internet two weeks later. Right. I don't get starstruck. So about being in the same room as a so, celebrity just doesn't do it for me. So you go essentially I just to dress the, up. Well, no, cause I like to see the booths, um, and being an Dealer independent room or artist booths, everything. Or, okay. Being an independent artist myself, I really appreciate what other people put out there. Most of the time I spend my money solely at those kinds of things. Okay. Um, so Artist Alley and then the booths that are, you know, usually off to the side, which all tend to be independent artists. Right. Um, but I also like to see, you know, the spectacle that Fox puts on or Warner Brothers or Legendary, any of those booths. Okay. So that's why Comic-Con. Yeah. Because they, they, it's a light show. It's very exactly. much fireworks and a light it's show. It's Vegas. It's the Vegas of, of, of conventions. Comic books and movies and stuff. Yeah. But then I also like to see too, like I just started collecting, um, comic books based that are that have something to do with my costumes. Okay. So like I have the first appearance of Poison Ivy on the cover. Okay. Um, and then I have one of the first That's appearances of Batgirl on the cover. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking for this specific Joker one, which I've just found out is extremely collectible and very expensive. So I haven't actually purchased it yet. Right. But it is fun to do that. And a lot of the comic book guys recognize me now because every convention I go looking in the booths for these specific things and now right. they know who I am. So I've built a little bit of a relationship with them. So, so that's fun too, because that's what Comic-Con was supposed to be. That's what it should be. You get to meet like-minded individuals, exactly. you know, and then, then you get new friends and you get to hang out. Yeah. And that Gen Con, what I like about it is that it's just a bunch of dorks playing board games with strangers. Yeah. Like, I always like to watch that area of it. I've never gotten involved in it. I just started playing Star Wars's, um, a Star Wars New, tabletop game or their, their role playing game. Oh, okay. Um, an RPG. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and so I, it's when I first played it, I was really nervous cause I was with a p- bunch of people who play those all the time. And I was like, I'm never going to do, be able to f- do this. I'm not going right, to fit hard in. To catch you why up, am I worried about like, why would I feel like I'm not going to fit in with it's a bunch of be dorks? Fine. But, um, as soon as we played like the very first round, I was like, oh no, this is totally like Dungeons and Dragons. I'm totally fine. I can re-. like it all came back to me. Right, right. Ten years later, and plus everybody, everyone that I've ever played with has been super supportive. Oh, totally. You know, they're just like, no, no, we need someone to play with. Right. I need a play date, and you are willing right. to play with me. I will be <laughs> I will very you. patient and tell you how to do this. Well, and, and plus- that's what's great about RPGs because you're talking through everything anyway. Yeah. So it's not like you start up a video game and you're gonna lose a oh, life if you oh, fail, right, right? Or if you're gonna. Go somebody next like, to you. Oh yeah, yeah that you, your gunshot didn't work, but on your next turn, like oh there you go, try this kind of thing. So that's an excellent point because oh, problem solving. Yeah, because I remember playing video games and Andy just sitting next to me, going, "I, I may need to take the controller from you." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have no patience for video games. <laughs> it's uh, I like them, but it is if you Mario. don't if that's you don't ex- know as how to if, as I get. if you don't know the controller you're using like if you play a lot of ps3 and then you go to xbox and you're like oh it's slightly shaped different and the buttons do slightly different things and you're like i'm screwed but it's all good now let's talk about the the ones that you make and you sell 
mm-hmm. because you make skirts and you have a partner who makes shoes and, and accessories like mm-hmm. jewelry and stuff. Exactly. And so is that Brittany Braun Designs? Yes. Okay. So it's B-R-I-T-T-N-E-E and then B-R-A-U-N. And they'll, it'll be linked. And, and right now you guys have a Facebook page, right? We have a Facebook page. Um, our Instagram and Twitter are always great to go through because Instagram, of course, you can just look right at the pictures. You don't have to fish through anything. Yeah. Um, and we take all of our orders right now through email because everything is custom. We have ready products, but for the most part, especially with the skirts, we take your measurements so that it fits you specifically. And then you can pick any character. So oh, that's so any neat. comic book character, um, we've branched out and we do like Barbie, Hello Kitty, um, Somebody just requested a, a Muppet of, skirt. But you have a so. lot of DC fabric, right? Yes. Is that it? Batman, Superman, and then the Marvel Universe 2, Avengers, Spider-Man. Um, Wonder Woman is one that I've gotten for requests for lately and is extremely difficult to find, which is surprising considering the movie is supposed to be soon. But, um, just but yeah, pretty much any character. Just another slap in the face of Wonder yeah. Woman. Just another slap in the face. Turns of, out that she was really popular and then maybe not so popular. And now. then maybe somebody doesn't like Wonder Woman yeah, and you're like, why wouldn't it. you like Wonder Woman who's <laughs> awesome? Anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we do all of our orders like that. And then, um, my costumes are specifically custom. I don't make, I don't mass produce anything or have ready, um, to wear costumes because that's not the point. My point is that I make them something different than the exact replica. So I have clients that contact me and they say, I want to be this character. And then I meet with them and do a consultation and I get to know their personality and why they like that character. So for instance, I had a, um, a girl who wanted to be Lady Sith from Thor. Right. And it turned out that she really liked that she was very tall and a dominating female character. So we went for that. But I wanted to make her feminine because she sort of felt like all of the female characters always tend to be really tough and tough and and male driven. But Lady Sif is specifically, you know, she's a tough warrior, but she's in love with Thor. So she has a feminine side to her. And she's yet and she's very much a super fox. I mean, she's like she's gorgeous. Yeah, she's she's, you know, not butch, but I mean, just like very tough. She's tough as nails, but then she has whatever, you know, every woman wants to be loved and yeah. has their crushes and things like that. So we went for that sort of inspiration. And I also work. How did in, you do that? Um, well, we did instead of doing armor and hard, um, you know, chest plating and things like that, we did more like a corset, like a fitted uh, bodice. Okay. And then um, we went for like a big, long, flowing cape. We specifically chose that scene mm-hmm. so that she can mm-hmm. be sort of that hidden warrior, but without, you know, having to have all of her shield and everything like right, that. Right, right. And and uh, a cape is nice because uh, there's not quite as much uh, leering. There's a little mm-hmm. that you can you can cover up a little bit if exactly. some dirt bag is g- giving you some troubles. Exactly. Right. And uh, and there there aren't a lot of dirt bags at these cons, but they they do exist. It turns out now that conventions are becoming more popular to the mass audience, that's you know leering in a little bit. I know there was a big concern at Comic Con. Um, the whole cosplay is not consent thing is a big movement right now. Right. Costuming and, is not, is not consent was exactly. the sign at the convergence. And I was yeah. like, Oh, that actually is a great slogan. It's interesting because I, I always like to put it out there that I have never personally dealt with any of that. And that the majority of people who want to take your picture yes. or want to be involved in your costume are polite. Most people Super ask for permission. Yeah. Respectful. And exactly. And, yeah. And I don't like it that, when there was a, there was an incident at Comic Con this year, I guess, where they thought a girl got assaulted while she was in a costume, so then they had to file it under the cosplay is not consent thing. And it turned out she was just drunk, I think, and fell or something. But immediately the public's mind goes, "Oh my gosh!" And my dad is concerned, and like, you know, I'm getting phone calls, like, "Are you okay?" And <laughs> right. I'm like, "It's the majority of the world is not like that." Right. There's if you take. A hundred thousand people, there's a certain percentage of those people who are going to be violent or creeps or weird. It doesn't matter where you are. Right. That's always a little defensively. Try not to, you know, I do a joke about it, about (laughs) how you shouldn't run naked through the streets with money taped to your ass screaming, what's going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Because something's going to happen. If you're nude with money taped to your ass, <laughs> that's more, that's, that turns that is, out you're asking for something. Right. You might, that actually might be the only time you are asking yeah. for something <laughs> when you are nude with money taped to your ass. You're asking to be robbed. The only thing uh, I ever deal with is occasionally you'll have photographers who won't respect other photographers. So you'll have a professional photographer who comes up with this huge camera setup and they want to take a thousand pictures of you and they haven't had the perfect lighting and they want this angle and that angle. And then other people who maybe are just there with their kids who are excited to see, you know, Batgirl. 
they will take too much of your time and you have to figure out the balance of respecting those photographers because of course you want attention and you want them to post pictures of you. Right. But you also are there because the kids are the best part. They get so excited and they are fascinated by everything. I had one little girl come up to me and she took a picture of me and my poison ivy and my poison ivy costume has fake poison ivy on it. Okay. We took like three or four pictures and then she was like, I don't want to get all itchy <laughs> and like just totally acted like it was a real thing. And I was like, Oh yeah, make sure you put some lotion on. Like I, <laughs> I could not believe that she would think to say yeah, that, yeah. but they fascinate me. And, and so you just have to be careful of that. But I do walk around. A friend of mine comes with me to all the conventions and he's always with me when I'm taking pictures, you know, just to make just sure. To run, yeah. Someone yeah. to run interference. That's an excellent exactly. idea. Just because if you're like, I did go, there was a guy at anime con at a con in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I went to a couple of months ago and, um, he had one of the coolest Batman costumes I've ever seen, but it had to have cost like $1,200. Oh, yeah. They're expensive. Because Probably it more than like, that. It looked like Kevlar. People it spend looked, thousands of dollars on costumes. It's just crazy. Just to make it look super real, mm-hmm. right? And, and I don't know, even in the movies, if they're, if they cost that much, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's the process of armor and plastics and molding and is it, exactly, <laughs> it can be very affordable. But it's very time consuming. So unless you're doing it yourself, you're paying someone to do it, which means it costs more money. Right. And then unless you're an expert at it, you probably have to factor in some trial and error. Ah. So it's, it doesn't have to cost a lot, but if you really want it to look real, you're, you're looking at a pretty penny. Okay. Okay. Just because all that, all that, um, yeah, I think there was a, there was a year that I looked into a Zine of the Warrior Princess costume for, for, uh, Halloween. And, uh, there was a different, there was, Couple of, you know, you can get them online, right? You can oh, yeah. buy different costumes online. Some of them are twenty dollars. There was a, there was a seventeen hundred dollar that came with yeah. the circle, that came with the thing oh, that you yeah. throw. <laughs> Props are really expensive. It's something I, I haven't um, played with a whole lot. My, um, my steampunk look. I carry a whip. Okay. My poison ivy. I made a vine. Okay. Um, my Joker that I'm working on, I'm actually, uh, a friend of mine is fashioning a cane for me. Okay. Out of clear plastic to like make it look like a stone. That process is not super expensive, but I can tell you if I tried to go buy that cane anywhere else, it would cost me a few hundred dollars. Oh, really? So. Now why is there a stone cane involved? It's just my sort of thought process. Um, the Joker lives very frugally, like he <laughs> makes everything himself. But there's also a little element of him that I think likes to throw um, money back in people's faces. Okay. Like, he doesn't need that. He will have something expensive and then throw it in the trash can. It's, like, it's just like in the dark night when he burns the big pile of money. He doesn't need any of those things. <laughs> yeah, he things, likes to break things. But he likes to have it and then use it for what it's not intended for. Right, right. Just as yeah. a, as a, this is something you value. I, I need to break what exactly. you value because I don't. I can't value what you value. Exactly. Or let me Joker take this super slightly... expensive stone and put it and mold it. Like mine is molded into a jo- the Joker's face. Okay. I'm sure any person who has millions of dollars, if they had this rare stone, mm-hmm. would never mold it. They would just have the stone. <laughs> right. He has destroyed it and made it something evil. Right. Which is uh, what he tends to do. <laughs> it is what he tends to do. That Joker. Joker, if you're listening, get some help. Get some help out there. It's not right. Anyway, <laughs> not that money's everything. I'm just saying, find something to value. <laughs> find someone to love. Does the Joker love anyone? I don't know. I think We're, he loves Batman. He might love Batman. I think there might be some relationship issues in there that uh, yeah. we could we could delve out. I'm sure somebody's probably written a book about that somewhere. There's definitely some fan fiction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sexy, sexy time. Yeah, there might be sexy fan fiction. There might be non-sexy fan fiction. Just those guys going Depends on. Depends on what you're into. I think the killing joke. Oh, um, that's my favorite. That's my first, this is the first one I read. Oh, is it? When I went into my Joker research phase, I have read probably 10. I'm on The Man Who Laughs right now, but The Killing Joke was the first one I read. Is that Joseph Loeb? Who wrote that? Um, uh, I can't remember. I, I know. I, I know. I'm the, I am the absolute worst when it comes to authors. I worked a, um, I actually worked at an event last year at Comic Con that was a big fundraising and they had a bunch of comic book artists come draw on this big canvas that they auctioned off. Neat. And, uh, I was the sign in table girl. 
So people would walk up and they would say their name and I would cross them off the list. And I worked it with my friend who just knew everybody by face because right. that's what you do. Eventually. And Eventually I was you like, know everybody's face. Somebody walked in and I was like, uh, what's your name? And my friend was like, he's on the list. And he just passed him by and I was like, who was like, who was that? He was like, he created Watchmen. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, that was Alan Moore. Who, yeah. Who did I just offend? Like he like, just, uh, yeah. And all these people walked by. He, that's one of the guys who writes for, uh, writes for Spider-Man. He draws Batman currently, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Here's but the thing. What I'm I learning. Like, yeah, you're learning. There's no way. And anyone who's famous, I have a friend who uh, used to get mad when he didn't get recognized when he would show up at a shitty one-nighter. And you're like, <laughs> they don't even have your head shot up, Dave. Anyway, but it's fine. And he's like, yeah, but I was on. And I was like, stop talking. Yeah. You, you are not the hero of whatever you're about to say. <laughs> and... um <laughs> I was, this is my favorite story recently. The nicest guy in the world, by the way. Michael Sheen is mm-hmm. an actor. Mm-hmm. He was in Frost Nixon. He played Frost. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is in The Masters of Sex, I think is the name of the program that he is on. Uh, I don't know. I wanted to see Frost Nixon. That's all I've got. I didn't see Frost Nixon. Yeah. Uh, he is currently dating Sarah Silverman. Uh, okay. I was doing a show with Sarah Silverman. I am in the green room. She goes, oh, this is my boyfriend, Michael. And I was like, hello, Michael. My name is Jackie. And we talk and we chat. And he gets up, he leaves the room. And I was like, how long have you guys been going out? And she goes, six months. And I said, what does he do? And she said, what? And I said, I am so sorry. I am in the part of show business that doesn't recognize anyone. I am so sorry. <laughs> and she was like, his name's Michael Sheen. And I said, British accent, that probably not related me. to Martin Sheen. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, and I said, I'm Googling him. I'm Googling him. And she goes, please do. Please do Google him. And um, she told, I think, she, he was incredibly nice to me. He, he didn't care that I didn't know who he was. He was like, this is nice. I can just talk to someone like a person. <laughs> yeah, they probably appreciate not being recognized sometimes. Yeah, at a certain point where you're like, but it, it is neat to meet the comic book, you know, writers and the, and the drawers. Mm-hmm. Artists, I think they're called. But it is nice to meet those people just, and they don't often get recognized in regular company, right. right? I mean, but at Comic-Con, they are superstars and they do get sort of recognized walking around, but it is, it's neat to, to meet them. And do you, yeah. so have you been following certain art? Like what, what are there books that you've been reading? Are there, well, is, right now is there I've any been cosplay kind of books. I've been on my, uh, Hey, someone's at my door. Ooh. That never happens. Uh, usually the phone rings. Let's go see who it is. Wow. I'm recording something. Caleb, are you here to do things? Yeah. All right, well, come on in, play through. I'm recording the dork for us. This is Brittany Braun. This is Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Caleb, what's your last name? Fricky. Oh. Caleb Fricky. Oh, <laughs> Looks like Caleb's going to fix things. This feels a little bit like Mr. Rogers. Like, it's, well, who's at the door? I'm a friendly uh, handyman. <laughs> well, do you want to be in this area? Jackie's very lucky to have a handyman. All right, I like it. Uh, so books I'm reading right now, um, <laughs> I, I, like I said, I've been in my big Joker researching phase. So I've read, um, the killing joke, the man who laughs I'm on. I've read Arkham Asylum, uh, Dark Knight Rises, uh, Batman year one. So just kind of a bunch of that. Um, okay. So that's, that, that's your research uh, to see what costumes exactly. look like. Are there books that you would recommend if people want to start making their own costumes and stuff? Is um, there any of that? Cosplay books. They're mostly like textbooks. Okay. I mean, if you want to learn to make costumes or pattern making or anything like that, I, I would recommend ma- taking a sewing class. Right. Um, and then just start drawing. It's if you're wanting to do inspiration of your own, the best thing to do is just to sketch and doodle and work your way through the ideas. If you want to do exact replica stuff, you're going to have to work on. You might have to hire staring. Them out. Yeah, or staring <laughs> at a picture for hours, which I've done. Um, and then drawing and figuring out, you know, it's, it's a lot of science and geometry. Yeah. Turns out pattern oh. making, you're just <laughs> making shapes and trying to figure out how to make them 3d. Oh, right. So, okay. I mean, it's a lot of, I've, I've taught myself a lot of the techniques that I use most costumes. I try to do something that I haven't done before. That way I'm learning something new from it. Um, what did you just learn to make? Anything? Well, like- the, my friend who's making the cane taught me about plastics molding, so that's something I haven't done before. Okay. I also don't work a lot in menswear, which turns out making men's clothing is a lot more complicated than female clothing. Is it? Um, well, because there's so many parts to it, collars and um, under collars and 
Okay. You know, jacket pockets and linings and it's, oh, it's just, uh, there's a lot more tailoring to men's clothing than there is to women's. Um, not, not overall, like in general, I'd probably equal, but in the stuff that I've been doing. So. Right. And, and, and you have just a much more experience working in women's clothing. Exactly. So the, yeah, I can't it, measure a ma- like, I just did a, cl- a male clients. He wanted to be Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Okay. So, um, he was, he was like, well, I don't have time to come over. Can you just guess my measurements? I'm a medium. And I'm like, a medium in what brand and what thing? I mean, that's a thousand different sizes yeah. depending on what company you're looking at. And um, I just kind of had to look at his picture and guess. And it ended up fitting perfectly, which not that, to applaud myself, but I was very happy. That is insanity. Um, but it it is, it's a different, it's a different thing. Yeah, that's, it's, yeah, it's just different. And it's very boxy. I'm used to everything. Like I looked at his pattern and I was like, this is just like a giant square, but that's what it is for a woman. It's, it's you know, more triangles and more triangles and exactly. more curves and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. They are kind of boxy. I like that yeah. about them men. Yeah. It's nice. Turns out they shouldn't have boobs and they don't need boobs. Maybe a little bit of a butt. I'm sure. okay with a butt. I'm okay with a butt. I'm okay. <laughs> Whatever's happening, gentlemen, you're fine. You're beautiful as you are. Everyone is who they are. And it's be very an individual. That's it. Just be healthy, you know? Yeah. Just... Maybe not a pack of Oreos every night. Right. Unless that is all you eat. I don't you know. know. <laughs> Maybe throw some vegetables in there somewhere. At least protein. Maria, my, my friend Maria was telling me, she's like, yeah, everybody has a problem that I just eat ice cream for breakfast. And I was like, do you eat lunch? And she's like, no. And I'm like, well, then there's the problem. Is she a stick figure? She's very tiny, but she doesn't get hungry. All she really yeah. wants is sugar. And, and I like, understand that, but I also see where people would get mad that she can eat ice. It's not that she chooses to eat ice cream. It's that she can eat ice cream she and can not eat gain ice weight. Cream. She doesn't gain weight because she does. She's not really interested in anything else. Yeah. She doesn't consume any calories. Right. Basically. So when she goes out to lunch, she's just like, well, I'm going to have a salad. And you're like, you, that's so great that you can eat a salad out. And she was like, yeah, I had ice cream for breakfast. And uh, you're like, what's happening? <laughs> so, and, but now she's, she has dated, I think enough gentlemen that are like, stop with the ice cream. It's creeping everyone out. That's so funny. Please have a toast. Eat ice cream for breakfast. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I eat ice cream for dinner. I understand that. Oh, yeah? But in the morning, I don't know. I'm one of those people. I wake up and I am instantly hungry. Like okay. I will fall over if I don't eat something. Even if I ate eight hours right before I went to bed, right. I have to have food in the morning. Oh, that's interesting. And I, I, I just have to, I don't know. I had a doctor tell me one time that I wasn't consuming enough protein. Okay. Cause that's actually the best calories for energy. Right. It takes your body longer to burn, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. The whole but thing. It's Slow good burn. It's good for you. And so now I'm so focused on protein when I wake up in the morning that okay. I, I wouldn't think to eat ice cream. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's happening right now, but, uh, but the, uh, but good yeah, for I'm, I'm never hungry when I get up in the morning, but, uh, uh my fella, uh, <laughs> he's got to have, he's, he's like quickly, quickly, quickly to the kitchen. <laughs> and I'm like quickly to a cup of coffee. Is that going to happen? And yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a coffee person. Maybe that if I was a coffee person, maybe that would be where my brain would go. Right. Is coffee. Right. And not egg sandwich. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, okay. So those are the, so people, I, I was looking at all the different skirts and stuff and c- can you, there, the ones that I was looking at, they were mostly like a short skirt that were pleated. Yes. Yeah. Is that one of the styles that are that's, very popular um, right that's now? That's the main style. I, the ones that I sent you a picture of, they're super tiny because they are toddler skirts and people love tiny things. So I make the toddler skirts in standard sizes because they're Velcro closure. So they're adjustable. Okay. Um, and kids grow out of clothes fast. So, you know, I want them to be able to wear them for a little bit of time. Oh, okay. But the adult ones are actually custom sized to whatever waist and length that you want them to be. Okay. Some people want them high waisted. Some people want them low. Some people want them short, long. I can do everything. But a the pleated style done in Supergirl fabric. I could probably do that. With the <laughs> off the shoulder sweeping. You could do it. It would be, but how would it look? Exactly. It would if look somebody great. wanted a very custom, um, daily outfit versus a costume made, yeah. we're totally open to that. And that's our whole goal. My partner, um, Jess Delpino, she goes by Jess DP on all of her social media stuff. How do you spell Jess DP? J-U-S-S-S and then DP. Okay. So Jess DP. Yes. Got it. She, um, Del Pino is her last name. That's her short version. She also goes by nerdy latex, um, for her <laughs> cosplaying things. We met because we both did Catwoman 
um, for a costume. And so we started costuming together and then she and I are both into Your sort gang. of gnarly daily wears. So we wanted to be able to give people something that they can wear and not feel like they have to be at a convention to do. So the well, skirts are sort of the goal is that from far away, you don't really see what they are, but when you get close up, Oh, that's star Wars or that, Oh, that's Batman. It's like Things a, t- like it's like a really cool t-shirt kind of to exactly. some extent where you're Just like something feminine. Yeah. But it's, but it's a, it's a, it's a nice kicky skirt. Exactly. And then, and you could exactly. wear it out and, but it's, yeah, that's so great. Yeah. And we try to keep I it want super affa- affordable. The skirts are $35 for right. one, $60 for two. Um, although for all my shows that I go on, I do a $5 discount for one or $10 discount for two if they right. mention, you know, Dork Forest. Right. And you guys are going to um, start an Etsy. Um, we're going to start an Etsy. Um, and then we're also going to start a website because we like to do events and meet people too. Um, we sort of like to fashion whole outfits. So we have jewelry that we sell. Um, Right, we have hats, we have accessories and things like that. And then what she does is she actually takes comic books and collages onto shoes and jewelry, handbags, wallets, things like that. Okay. Um, I can't say her exact process because it's, of course, it's hers. hers. <laughs> but um, she can do any character then basically that has... Yeah, you a photo. Just as long as there's photos somewhere, even if she has buy two copies of Saga, exactly. and then you can have a wallet or exactly. a coin purse. And she her. makes really cool heels and tennis shoes. And again, it's the the goal is that someone can see that and just think that's a really fashionable shoe. And then they look up close and they're like, "Oh, I'm reading a comic book right now." Right. <laughs> so the the stuff is amazing that she does. Her her process is really really cool. But we like to put that out there because then we do. We actually meet a lot of people, um, just discussing what their interests are in. And I think we have a product that you don't find anywhere else, which is right. Great. It just, it sounds, it sounds a lot more fun. It's, it's super interactive, but it's also exactly. casual and a little dressy. I mean, just kind of like, yeah, it's, you could wear it out to dinner and you could also just wear it around. Yeah. We and, want it to be flexible. We want it to be something you can wear because we understand shopping on a budget and, and wanting something that I mean, let's face it, comic book, the whole comic book world is a collectible atmosphere. Yeah. So in general, licensing alone requires products to be more expensive. So we're trying to put it in, in everybody's hands. We want everybody to be able to get their fingers right. on it. Cause the fabric that you buy is all licensed, right? Yes. Yeah. So you buy it from some in general, source. There's a couple is, that aren't, but yeah. Right. It's not, you know, I was in Hong Kong and we saw a lot of, um, mashups. There was a yes. bad guy. Yeah. And there was uh, um Iron Fella mm-hmm. or whatever. You exactly. know, it was like <laughs> the translation doesn't always cross over, but there's a lot of shady uh shady yeah, yeah. characters out there. And there's some action figures that mm, that looks like Green Lantern and yet yeah. that is not his name. And uh <laughs> so Green Streetlight. Yeah, Green Street <laughs> that guy has got himself a flashlight. But um yeah, I like the idea of of making this stuff, but you'll also do one on one to create a the very specific costume that you want. If you want exactly. to dress up like a character from Ursula Le Guin's whatever, mm-hmm. you will show me some art. Yep. We'll work on this together, and we will we will rebuild the we will reinvent the wheel here. I actually really like it when people come to me with characters that I am not familiar with because it forces them to talk about that character. And no matter how a writer or an artist creates something, in their mind, it will always be different than how their audience perceives it. Right. And, and that's great because all, all art is, is in the eye of the beholder. Right. So it, if that person describes the character to me, I'm seeing their version of the character. And that's which the allows me they to create want. their character. Yeah. And it makes it their own. Um, and then it also allows me to have a little bit of my aesthetic and I have had a couple, um, clients who have come to me and I, we don't see eye to eye and, right. and they're not really there for my aesthetic. In which case, if it's something quick that I can finish for them at a, at a reasonable price, I will, but I'm not afraid to say, you know, I, this is not necessarily what I do. Let me point you in the direction of someone who could, right. or if you want to be more hands-on with it, let me show you the path to, to get to that. Okay. Um, because I, I, I don't want to, to lose my aesthetic in it because I don't want it to be a mass production thing. That, right. You know, I'm an artist and. And you want to do, you want to, you want to, it still has to be something you're interested exactly. in. Exactly. That's exciting that exactly. you have that kind of flexibility. Yeah. That, um, 
That's like the power of a day job. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to say it, but you are correct. That is exactly the power of a day job because that's what stand-up is all about for for many, many years where you're like, I get to do whatever I want to do on stage because I have a day job. And so I don't have to talk about the things you want me to do. And then when you start taking gigs that are – well, you can't swear, you can't talk about this, you keep your politics under your hat or whatever, you're like – Oh, but I need rent. Right. And if you make that compromise that, you know, and I am occasionally willing to make that compromise. I'm not, I'm not, you know, what, what, who am I? Well, and some of it can be a stretch. If you have, I I know a lot of comedians and sometimes they do have to take shows where they can't swear. Yeah. But it actually makes for an interesting challenge because yeah, the not you, swearing is never a problem. You know, you kind of have to mold your material right. to to what fits that atmosphere. But comedians do it on a nightly basis. Anyway, if your audience isn't reacting to something, you have to switch you it up. Go and to a you different go to a different part thing. of the vault. Costuming start- is like that a little bit. Um, when you're at conventions, you might be doing a certain pose, or you might be. I mean, it, it's it's a lot of strategy. You might be standing in a place that's too crowded, so you're not getting noticed, or you know, you might be posing next to a character who is the same, is dressed the same as you. Right. You know, you, you find what works and then you adjust to it. Cause, or that, cause you that's just walk the fun part. Costume. Right. Cause you're walking around in your costume, having fun doing that. Right. Right. You made your costume. You enjoy doing that. Mm-hmm. And then the final part of it is you go to the, the convention and you're like, yeah, you could take a picture with me. And that is just sort of the applause. That's the accolade that you get, sort of the response. It's like selling the writing or or selling the joke. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, let me just say, Brittany Braun, uh, that it has been a lovely one hour with you. The hour went fast. You were right. Of course. Of (laughs) course. And Caleb, of course, thanks for the guest shot. And uh, so... (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you have been uh, listening to me talk to Brittany Braun, and that's at Brittany Braun for Instagram and Twitter, B-R-I-T-T-N-E-E-B-R-A-U-N. And your Facebook page is Brittany Braun Designs. And you're going to have an Etsy page and all that stuff. I'll post pictures and links and all that stuff. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for listening, Rangers. Take care. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, (laughs) my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?